0: Welcome to The Fight With Depression. My name is Christopher Boussard, firefighter and author of The Fight, My Battle With Depression. Welcome, and thank you for joining me on The Fight With Depression, the podcast where I speak honestly about the reality of mental illness. This topic for this episode was brought to me as a request, and I'm going to speak with you about stress management. When I first had this request, I thought I was, probably the last person to speak on the topic, until I started to reflect on on what I do and what I've done in the past to reduce stress. Then I realized that I've historically been pretty successful with managing my stress, so hopefully some of the techniques I have and I have used will be beneficial to you. I realize that not everyone's the same. Some of this may not work for you my techniques that work for me won't work for you and what works for you may not work for me Um, or you're already doing them i know what it's like to listen to a podcast thinking you're going to get some great information and then feeling let down because there wasn't any groundbreaking information there wasn't anything new to you so if you're listening to this and and nothing's working please go to thefightwithdepression.com go to the contact page, send me an email because I'd like to hear from you and see what can work, what suggestions you have, and we can find something that will work for you. Um, also, if you listen to this and one of the techniques I mentioned helps, then I'd love to hear that as well. Um, I'd, hopefully that's more the case than not working, but you know I would like to hear either way. And remember, if you have signs or symptoms of a mental illness, please seek care from a mental health professional prior to attempting any treatment on your own. In this episode, we'll be looking at different types of stress, how to identify them, and how to overcome. So first, I'm gonna be looking at the different types of stress. And believe it or not, some stress is actually good. Uh, There's also bad stress, of course, and necessary stress. And the necessary stress could be good or bad, but because it's necessary, we shouldn't try to alleviate it. There's a problem when people become too stressed or overwhelmed, and they discontinue a necessary stress, such as quitting a job. So we're first going to look at good stress. This can be family, such as spouse, kids, parents, siblings. Uh, Good stress can also be vacations exercise, and home buying, buying a new home, or trying to sell a home. Necessary stress could be work, uh, housework, auto maintenance, paying bills, grocery shopping, and a big one around the house and a big one for my wife is trying to find out what's for dinner. Then there's bad stress, poor relationships, either with a coworker, family, friends, significant other, and can even be television or social media. So now we're going to look at how to identify what types of stress you're dealing with and how not to turn something good into something bad. Many times people will allow a good stressor or a necessary stressor in their life to be treated like a bad stressor, or they'll view it as such, because they can do something about the good stressor or the necessary stressor, they get rid of it thinking it's going to solve their problems. People can allow work problems to interfere with their home life. They get a divorce because they think that their home life is bad. When the issue is really at work, they get a divorce and their stress is still the same because their work is still the same. People become overwhelmed with life and quit a job without another plan. So any event with a goal or idea to preserve your long-term physical or mental health should be viewed as positive, even though many of these can be stressful, such as exercise, vacations, new jobs. And you notice I didn't put anything about improving your finances because we shouldn't put more money or more assets over our values in our health. Any non-abusive family relationship should be treated as a positive stressor. If it's abusive, then get assistance immediately or cut ties if you can, if it's appropriate. But regardless of what the circumstances are, any abusive relationship, please seek help. Uh, Anything we do to help the least of these or to benefit the kingdom of God without substituting our own agenda should be viewed as a good stressor. And I'm going to say it now, there are many people who say that taking certain actions that are contrary to the teachings of Jesus, but they try to defend them by saying they are doing God's work. I'm not going to get into this now, but this is not beneficial. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 58, always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. So, we're going to look at necessary stress now. It'll be different for each person. It's what is needed in order to maintain or improve life without causing undue harm to yourself or others. This can be viewed as negative or positive. And bad stress will be anything that is not beneficial or is potentially harmful to your future self or to others. Notice I did not t- say to your current self. Some things that may not be beneficial to your current self, such as exercise, shouldn't be viewed as a bad stress, but it is beneficial to your future self. These stressors can often start by disguising themselves as good solutions in the moment to a negative stress. But when does necessary or good behavior turn into bad stress? Television. Social media may not be a stressor unless they begin to interfere with or cause unnecessary stress in your life. These may not necessarily be a bad thing on their own. They're, it's necessary to keep up to date, but too much can be a bad thing. It may cause you to neglect other responsibilities or may just be an informational overload. Personally, I look at headlines to get new information. If there's an article I'd like more information on, then I read it. But if I've already read about a topic, I won't click on an article unless I know there's new information that I need to fill in the gaps. We tend to continue to click on articles without any new information. It's only different opinions. And we continue to get more frustrated from what we see and what we read. The same is true, or similar, With social media, I don't have social media on my phone. I don't feel that it's important to keep updated on everyone's life to the point where I need to find out before everybody else. If it's pertinent and it's somebody that I'm close to or it's gonna directly impact me, then I'm gonna find out directly from the person. Plus, my wife usually keeps me updated anyway. And similar to that, overeating or unhealthy eating can cause you to feel good in the moment, but they'll ultimately cause bad stress. Being entertained and keeping up to date and eating aren't bad things on their own, but in excess, they will ultimately cause bad stress to take over. We often try to control stress, but we allow the stressor to remain the same. There isn't much point trying to control your stress if you still allow bad stress to control your life. So if you're really interested in what's causing stress in your life, then I would suggest to make a list. Take an honest look at whether an item is good, bad, or necessary. Ask yourself, do I need to take out a loan for something that I want but don't need? Or will this ultimately cause more stress? Is this relationship really causing bad stress? Or am I using that as a scapegoat? And one thing that people tend to do in the morning, and I've done this myself, with our current technology, we wake up and we grab our phone to see what's new. We look at news articles or we check social media to see what we've missed. So my recommendation is try not to do this. I've worked on this myself in the past, and I'm continuing to try and progress more. And I have found that it's been beneficial for me. But before you get out of bed in the morning, if you believe in God, then thank Him. If not, though I wish you did, then reflect on what you are thankful for. Think of at least five things, different from the previous day, because you don't want to make it a a habit or a ritual. But think of five things. I'm thankful for my family. I'm thankful for the person I'm waking up next to. I'm thankful that I have a job to go to. Thank you that I have a car to get me places. Thank you that I can buy someone's coffee this morning. Thank you that I have people who can count on me and people I can count on. This causes you to focus on what's important in your life instead of negatively about what needs to be done for the day. So speaking of getting things done for the day, one technique is scheduling your day in advance. Personally, I like a paper calendar that I can hold in my hand. I write my schedule in pencil because my schedule changes. Some people don't want a paper calendar because they have a calendar on their phone and whatever works for you is going to be the most beneficial. If what my technique doesn't work for you, then don't try to force what I do into your life, find what works for you and, and go with it. So Jocko Willink along with a lot of other successful people talking about the benefits of, of making a schedule. And having a, your schedule for the day removes the stress of trying to prioritize your day on the fly. And many people schedule times for everything, some out of necessity and others because it helps them. If you do this, don't forget to schedule time for yourself. And be realistic. Don't over-schedule yourself. For me, I write down what needs to be done for the day, but I don't assign times unless it's a time specific, such as an appointment or a training when I'm at work. If you're on vacation and something comes up, schedule it for a time when you get back if you can. This removes the stress of having it lingering over your head the rest of the vacation, because as you write it down, as you schedule it, your mind has realized that it's taken care of. And if something's not on your calendar until a a future date, then don't focus or dwell on it. Leave it for when it's due, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Another technique that helps for many people is writing down their thoughts, their feelings, and it's a great way to to reduce their stress. I've done this, and I still do it to an extent, but from my experience, you need to be careful about how you do it. If you write down how you're feeling and what you're experiencing, the tendency is then to to dwell on negative emotions, And when this happens, it can become a snowball and you continue to focus on the negative. This may be beneficial to some people that writing down negative thoughts gets it out of their mind and allows them to focus on the positive. So if that works for you, then by all means, continue to do it. But for me, I find that it's better not to focus on the negative, but instead focusing on what's happening around me and the current moment. And this coincides with mindfulness training, which we'll get into in a, in a moment. But what works for me is to go to a quiet place where I can relax and write down observations and details, sounds, sights, smells, and so on. And if you start to focus on what's going on around you and the positive, then your brain starts to focus on the positive instead of the negative. So another technique is mindfulness training, which can be very beneficial. I've done it in the past, and I've altered it to fit what works for me. If you're interested in it, please consult with the professionals so they can find what works best for you. And in researching the mindfulness training and the benefits of it, I looked at the article, The Effectiveness of Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction on the Psychological Functioning of Healthcare Professionals, a Systematic Review. I am not going to repeat that. So, this article states that occupational stress and burnout amongst healthcare professionals have been associated with physical and mental health problems, including anxiety, depression, diabetes, fatigue, heart disease, hypertension, insomnia, and obesity. And it states that mindfulness based interventions can help decrease stress and burnout in healthcare professionals. So mindfulness-based stress reduction was intended to reduce stress and improve the quality of life in people with chronic medical conditions. There are different types of mindfulness-based stress reduction it can range from formal practices such as sitting meditation or yoga or more informal where the individual strictly focuses on typically minus tasks such as brushing your teeth and washing dishes. And the latter is what I have done and and what I have altered so that it works for me personally I found that when I did this consistently I had a buildup of thoughts that started to become overwhelming so instead of focusing on everything that I'm doing I've kind of tailored it to using it when I need it I do this more when my thoughts start to spiral and I need to bring myself back to reality I tell myself those thoughts are not real, then I focus intently on where I am and what I'm doing. I'll say, right now I'm driving my car on the way to work, or right now I'm in my backyard mowing my lawn. Then I'll turn my attention to what I see, what I hear, what I smell, and so on. The sound of the lawnmower, the smell of the grass, or whatever birds are flying overhead or trying not to get stung by a wasp so the last stress reduction technique i want to speak about is breathing this incorporates the health benefits of breathing properly but also includes mindfulness training i have a tendency to hold my breath or breathe shallow when i'm stressed and i know a lot of other people do the same thing and one of the problems with that is that your body retains carbon dioxide which increases acidity in your body, which then leads to numerous other health issues. And breathing allows your body to maintain a proper pH level and causes you to focus on the present moment. So the breathing techniques I like and what I'm going to talk to you about are from an article, A Navy SEAL's Secret to Feeling Calm and Alert Anytime, Anywhere by Mark Devine. I would suggest checking out this article for more details. Uh, You can just Google the title. He does give the strong advice that you should not try these alone in a pool, which is specific for Navy SEALs, because many people have tried these and are not around anymore to talk about it. And I want to add on to that, say that you should not do these anywhere that if you pass out, it could potentially harm you or anyone else. So the first breathing technique he talks about is simply exhaling twice as long as you inhale. And he challenges the reader to 30 days for 10 minutes each day. So if you inhale for a count of three, then exhale to the count of six. Inhale for the count of four, then exhale for a count of eight, and so on. And when people do this, they tend to count quickly. Just try and extend this over maybe a one-second count. The second technique he talks about is what he calls box breathing and they taught the students this in my daughter's middle school they had them actually they had them actually visualize a box as they were breathing so with this technique you exhale all the air from your chest and then you retain this for a four count then inhale through your nose to the count of four and with your lungs full hold it and count to four And when holding it, he suggests that you don't clamp down and create back pressure. You then exhale through your nose to the count of four. He calls it box breathing because of the four sides of the technique here. So the third technique he talks about is what he calls threshold training. This is more in-depth and it's similar to box breathing. And sorry to do this to you, but I'm actually not going to go into details about this one. If you'd like to learn more about it, then check out his article. Again, it's A Navy Seal's Secret to Feeling Calm and Alert Anytime, Anywhere. So as I mentioned, these are some techniques that I have found to be beneficial that may or may not work for you. If you would like to try them, then please do so. But as I've mentioned, they're not a cure. These are just techniques to reduce symptoms. Remember to consult with a mental health professional to make sure that Any treatment measures are right for you. And if you have any stressors in your life, evaluate them to determine if they're beneficial for you. Running away from one stressor to avoid another doesn't accomplish anything because the stress will only follow you. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, then please go to thefightwithdepression.com and fill out the form on the contact page. Let's keep fighting this good fight and take control of our lives before they get out of control. So until next time, God bless. Thank you for joining me at The Fight with Depression. If you'd like to hear more, please follow this podcast or join me at thefightwithdepression.com. Remember, you are not in this fight alone, and let's continue to fight this good fight together.